Welcome back, my friends, to the Fantasy Injury Team Podcast. I'm your host, Joe D'Amico, joined as always by the doctor of physical therapy, Tom Christ. Tom, welcome back, man. What's up? I'm ready for another good day. It is, uh, it's a little warm out and I don't have air conditioning in my house, so I am sweating, but you know what? I'll get through it. Have you thought about buying an AC? I have a window <laughs> in my bedroom, so like, when I sleep, it's all good. I have thought about buying one for the living room as well. I just haven't done it yet. It's also been the worst summer ever. I feel like we're in Florida and it rains every day and then it's sunny and then it rains and then it's 94 degrees. Lovely, lovely summer we're having here. It has but, uh, been a very Floridian climate here in the Northeast. <laughs> Mid- sounds so Mid-Atlantic, proper. I should say. A Floridian climate here in the Mid-Atlantic. Very good. Um, so everybody, welcome back. We got a special show for you guys today. We Later on, we interview a Super Bowl champion going to be a very good time. Tano Passanoa, a defensive end for the New Orleans Saints. Before that, we'll talk a little bit about tight ends, tight end injuries, who me and Tom are in and out on for this year. Uh, But most importantly, what we do here, we're going to talk some tight ends, guys coming off injuries from last year, and how we think that they're going to fare. Tom, from a medical perspective, and he'll sprinkle in a little bit of fantasy. I'm not going to touch the medical side, Tom. That's all you. I will talk the fantasy perspective. So it's going to be an awesome show today. Tom, are you ready? What does our guy SpongeBob always say? I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. We have six players to discuss today. We're going to go just like last time in order of ADP. I'll give you a little rundown and then Tom, you could take it away. So starting off with Kyle Pitts, young man, 22 years old, Tight end five coming off the board. His ADP is around 66. So we're talking mid-sixth round or so in a 12-man league. Coming off an MCL tear in the knee in week 11. What do you think, Tom? The old last year league-winning draft pick, as everybody said, right? Kyle Pitts, what do you think for 2023? Yeah, I was on that Kyle Pitts league winner uh, bandwagon. And unfortunately, that didn't work out. Um, So here's the thing with Pitts. He did not participate at all in minicamp or OTAs uh, coming off of this MCL repair. The MCL repair timeline, it can be pretty lengthy and it's pretty slow rehab process at first. But typically by five, six months, they're fully cleared for sports specific training. And what I think a lot of people in, in the Twitter sphere forget sometimes or maybe just don't know is that the last phase of rehab from any kind of surgery is sports-specific training. So we always, like, go nuts when we see these players, like, on the field doing drills. That's literally part of their rehab. It doesn't mean they're ready to play yet. But in in Pitt's case, that's why I was kind of confused that he wasn't participating in minicamp and OTAs because I thought that the Falcons would have use that as part of his his rehab process to at least like run routes and do like the footwork for blocking um it doesn't necessarily mean that he's behind him not being participating in in minicamp or otas it's just how they decided to uh, go about his rehab but all reports are that he should be ready to go and from a timeline standpoint he should be ready to go for week one he there was actually a video put out today of him doing some drills it's a super short video. I'm not going to go crazy about it, but it did look pretty good. He, he was really putting a lot of, um, a lot of power and, and explosiveness through his lower extremity. 
looked really, really good. I totally expect him to be ready for week one. I don't think this type of injury is going to have as much of a negative impact in the first season back as an ACL repair would. We don't really see MCL repairs or reconstructions too often, so there's not a whole lot of a data set to compare them to. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the first couple weeks are a little slower, but I think he should absolutely return the ADP of the 66 player overall. I'm, I have no hesitation drafting him in the late fifth or sixth round. I think there's just that deep image from last season of he let everybody down. I mean, I got a lot of stuff here because I'm I'm still trying to figure out even for myself if I'm in or out on Kyle Pitts. So again, last year, guy proclaimed to be a league winner, right? Probably picked what was he picked last year? Like third round or so, something like that. He was going around the third round. So I extrapolated his numbers as if he played. I know last year was a little bit crazy, right? I mean, Mar- Mariota was part of the problem. Mariota throwing you the football is a problem. Is Desmond Ritter better? Yeah, remains to be seen. I don't know, but extrapolating his numbers over a full season as if he played all the games, take the MCL MCL tear out. Listen to these numbers. 48 catches, 605 yards, only three touchdowns. That's not getting it done. 102 points. He would have finished if he played the whole season, according to these numbers, as tight end 17. Behind, ready for this, Gerald Everett, Jawan Johnson, and Tyler Conklin. But I think picking him is a bet on his talent and opportunity. Guy's still super young. I think he turns 23 like in October. Still has a rookie at 1,000 yards, right? I mean, we're looking at an incredible rookie season. The touchdowns weren't necessarily there, but the upside is still there. Mariota brought him down. Now there's worries. I mean, just from, I mean, you said you're not really worried from a medical perspective, but Desmond Ritter, I don't know. Falcons, do they like to run or pass? They're going to run. Falcons are going to run 30-plus times. Last year, here's another stat for you guys. Falcons ran last year 559 times, leading the NFL. And what did they just do in the offseason? They drafted probably the best prospect in NFL, in NFL history, just about with Bijan Robinson. So they're going to run, 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 run. I'm worried about opportunities, um, kind of why I'm holding back a little bit on Drake London, but I'm kind of rambling here. Um, I'm a little just worried about Pitts, but you like him, Tom. You're taking a stab there, you think, for fifth or sixth round? Medically, I think he'll be okay. Like I said, maybe a slow start, but I think he'll be fine. And he just is such an elite athlete. The upside is totally there. I agree. It's going to hinge on is Ritter the real deal or not. Or is Ritter just slightly better than Mariota? But the talent is ridiculous. I mean, his wingspan is his, all of his metrics are insane. Okay. I think you convinced me, Tom. <laughs> it's just, it's just, I picked him. I think I had him in two leagues last year. I'm like, all right, third round, click, auto draft, auto draft. But now it seems like a value in the sixth round where I don't think we're going to ever get him at this discount again. Guy's still super young. So healthy, fine. Um, talent's there. I think it's just a matter of opportunity. Okay. Next guy is a hometown guy from me, and his name is the 30-year-old Darren Waller. Can you rely on him? Is it worth taking him as seventh-round pick? Guys going around tight end six, ADP 75, around the start of the seventh round. The old hamstring strain, Tom, around October. Um, didn't he go out as well? He played le- – I mean, he was he a little bit up and down last year. Of time last year. Yeah. So what do you think about him for this season? So – and again, I'm going to 
throughout the, our off-season series here, I'm going to reference the show that we did where we talk about risk factors for future injury. And the, what are the two biggest ones? It's age and it's prior injury. Well, Waller's 30 now, so age is not in his favor anymore. He's missed 14 games in the last two seasons. His injury history includes hamstring, multiple hamstring injuries, ankle sprains, knee sprains, thumb fracture, and AC joint injury. So he's got the prior history of injuries as well. And remember, hamstrings are one that a prior hamstring injury is going to increase the risk for another by 2.7 times. And ankle sprains are also one that has a, a notable recurrence to it. So there's no doubt that if you draft Waller, there is higher risk for injury than some some other tight ends. Um, and so you just you really need to consider. He does still have great upside, though. He's very, very talented. He's stepping into a Giants offense where he may be the top receiving option or at least competing to be the top receiving option. So when he's playing, you can logically expect a good performance. So you have to weigh how much are you willing to risk him potentially missing several games, but also the, the, the pro of him being really productive. So in the seventh round, I am more than happy to take him there because that's not major draft capital. It's still potential high reward, but if he does miss a lot of games, you know, it's not like I'm spending a third or fourth round pick and throwing it out the window. It's a seventh round pick. Those are less, less safe anyway. Upside is there. I think a couple guys have a path and we'll talk about this later, but I think there's a couple guys with the path to at least challenge Kelsey. I think anybody's nuts. No one out there is taking any tight end above Kelsey. But of course, if you miss out on that, you're looking for a guy that can at least challenge him, get up to him. Get. I think Kelsey last year was around 15 points a game. If you find a guy with 10, 11, 12 points a game with a little bit of upside, I think it's worth the risk. Waller in the fourth or fifth round, no. But like you said, Tom, seventh round, if he busts, it's not the end of the world, right? I mean, I think there's a path for him here. I'm a Giants fan, of course. To finish as a top three tight end, I mean, the Giants are in need of some receiving talent, without a doubt. Um, He came back last year, had some decent games. We still don't know. I don't think Barkley is going to hold out. Still don't know what's going on with that. But, you know, the Giants have some okay receivers, he could be the main guy there, and I really, really do like the upside. I mean, 30 years old, but then again, I mean, Tom, you talked about age, but then again, Kelsey is 34, so how much are we worried about age? Probably not so much. Um, from a production standpoint, not from so a pr- much. From correct. an injury standpoint, it is going to influence sure. risk. A little concerning, but from, from production, from fantasy perspective, I'm not so worried about it. Okay. Next guy has kind of been a household name last couple of years um, now with Houston. And that is Dalton Schultz, 27 years old, going around tight end 11 ADP around 116. Those of you keeping track at home, that's the 10th round. He had a knee PCL strain, which I believe he re-aggravated at some point last year. Uh, to me, Tom looks like a young, like Jason Witten. Like he's not a guy that's overly athletic, but he's a guy that got it done for a good amount of time, at least in Dallas. Uh, pretty consistent, but now in Houston, pair with the rookie quarterback who will probably start, C.J. Stroud. We'll see how that goes, but injury-wise, Tom, Dalton Schultz, knee PCL sprain, what do you got? Strain, sorry, what do you got? 
Uh, no, it is a sprain. When it's a ligament, it's a sprain. A strain would be to a tendon. Uh, so you were right there. Um, this nice. injury was in week two, and with the PCL, if it's a grade one or a two injury, they typically don't need surgery. If it's grade three, they, they probably would need surgery. And he didn't have surgery, so it tells us it was not a majorly severe injury. But these type of injuries can linger. They can get re-exacerbated. We saw that with Ezekiel Elliott the year before, with Schultz last year, with Julio Jones last year. Um, and we saw that Lamar Jackson was never able to return to the season from that same injury. But just like we talked about with Jackson last season, the entire offseason is going to be plenty for Schultz to, to rehab from this. And in fact, he started to look pretty good in the latter half of last season. So I really don't expect any lingering effects from this. I think you, he's, he's going to be full go. And I don't necessarily think that he's at much of an increased risk for a re-injury here. Of course, the PCL usually doesn't truly heal. You just kind of learn to adapt without the fully intact PCL. Um, so there's some risk for a re-injury there, but it still takes quite a tremendous in force and, and a, a perfect type of scenario for that uh, ligament to get injured. Here's how I'm approaching Dalton Schultz. He's a good receiver, and he's on a team that stinks. They're going to be throwing a lot, and rookie quarterbacks tend to really like tight ends. So I love Dalton Schultz this year if... I choose that I'm punting on the tight end position, which I might. Who knows? We'll see how the draft goes. But if I do, I am targeting him in 10th round, 11th round to be my starting tight end. Of course, understanding that if you're waiting that long for a tight end, you're also considering streaming options every week. Sure. Could be something where that's a really, really good point. It's something where you could take him as like, I, I like to do this sometimes. If you punt on a position, take two, like a quarterback. Last week I mentioned take Jared Goff and Anthony Richardson. Take a safe guy, take an upside guy. Take a guy like him and take one of these next guys we're going to talk about, Dalton Kincaid or Irv Smith or um, I'm, I'm not even going to try to pronounce Ch- Chigs, Ch- you know, you, you know who Chig. I'm talking about. <laughs> Chig. Yeah. Um, but that might not be a bad play. With Dalton Schultz, I think you're totally right, Tom. I think you're going to get someone who's going to be safe. He's a good receiver. You're going to get six or like 10, 12. Like he might have some upside weeks, but I think if you do punt on the position, not a terrible pick right there with Dalton Schultz. You can be confident that he's not going to lose you weeks um, at the position. All right. Three guys left, as alluded to earlier. Dalton Kincaid, 23 years old. Rookie Bills tight end going around tight end 14, 15. We're looking at an ADP of 135, which is late. Again, guy with pretty big upside. We're hearing a lot of stuff about him, OTAs, um, offseason or you know, preseason, all this stuff. Had a back injury, though. I don't know the specifics. You do, Tom. Take it away. It was a lumbar fracture. Lumbar is like the spine, the the low back bones. And routine bone healing four to six weeks this was in i think december he's fine he's totally fine didn't participate in the combine but his medical team cleared him and this is not the type of injury that you would expect to recur unless he gets hit perfectly again in a way that would cause the injury anyway so this is not like a an ankle or a hamstring or something that we can see come come back to bite people so I have absolutely no medical concerns for him whatsoever. And I love his landing spot with Buffalo. Will he 
be valuable this year in redraft. I don't know. But I've got a little secret that I hope that nobody in my dynasty league is listening because I pick up four and my other tight ends on my roster, two of them we're about to talk about, injured and not elite players. I'm very much considering picking Call Kincaid at 1.4. I like that pick a lot, especially for dynasty. Um, I mean, we always hear all this stuff about rookie tight ends. They don't do much. And historically, they really haven't. Gronk had a crazy rookie year. There's been a couple dynasty-wise. I mean, listen, there's been comps, comps to Kelsey, to Pitts. There's a lot of buzz around him, maybe even too much buzz. Dude is an absolutely outstanding athlete. I think there's a chance he could be the slot guy. I know he's a tight end. He could be the slot guy for the Bills. He led, listen to this. He led college football, all of college football, in slot and hybrid snaps last season for all players. It's a pretty impressive thing right there. But take a step back, right? Still competing with Dawson Knox, a little more experienced. Of course, they have Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis. We don't know. He's there. He's a somewhat talented player. James Cook still competing with these guys for targets. But, Tom, I think you nailed it. Dynasty? Let me know your league, uh, your league members' names and stuff. I'm going to make sure that they know that you're, you're picking him at four. <laughs> just, just to fully paint that picture, my current tight end room, uh, the two guys we're about to talk about, Irv Smith. That, so, so these three guys could be your tight end room, the, the last three guys we're talking about on the show? Irv Smith, Jr., and Zach Ertz, and then I also have Dawson Knox. That's my current tight end room. You need to pick someone because well, Irv Smith we'll get to in a second. Um, but, yeah, and, and just – to, I'm not really a dynasty guy. Who, who is Bijan, Jameer Gibbs? Who are we looking at as like the top? Uh, Jackson I don't even... Smith and Jigba, Jordan. Yeah, Harrison, yeah, yeah. Uh, Zay Flowers. Quentin um... Johnston possibly up there. Okay. Not a dynasty guy, but I figure those would be all right. Those, those would be the guys. Okay. Let's talk about your other tight end, Tom. Irv Smith, who I kind of like this year. Uh, going off around tight end 18. This is late now. Now we're getting late. Now you punted on tight end. You got to pick one of these guys or possibly two. 14th round ADP. Um, what's up with Irv Smith for this coming season? So he's only 24, but he's got quite the injury history on his yeah. uh, in his short career. And we know that the, the two biggest predictors, or not, not predictors, the two biggest <laughs> risk factors for future injury are age and prior injury. Now he's young still, so age is in his favor. And we've seen a couple players who in their first few years in the league very injury prone, and then they, they just kind of, their body gets it together. So that's certainly in the realm of possibility for Irv here, but he's missed most of the last two seasons with a meniscus repair and a grade three high ankle sprain. There's also a thumb injury somewhere in there. So he's definitely has some pre-existing injuries in the past that have the potential to influence things going forward. Um, any kind of surgery, any kind of major ankle injury can definitely have the potential to alter mechanics going forward. But again, him being young, that makes it easier to identify these mechanical uh, impairments, if you will, whether that be a stiff ankle, a strength imbalance somewhere in the leg, and to target his training to address that. Now, that's something that we talked a little bit about with Tano in the interview coming up about how some, some of these teams have, have some nice technology to kind of help really capture what joint's not moving properly, what muscle group is, too, is not strong enough, 
what muscle groups too tight, et cetera. So with him being young, he's, it's not out of the question for him to address some of these, these deficiencies to reduce the likelihood of him getting injured in the future. And with his ADP in the 14th round, you're risking absolutely nothing drafting him. And he has a lot of talent. Like he's shown, he's had games in Minnesota where he's looked like he was about to be the next pretty good tight end. And then unfortunately he just gets injured afterwards. So I, I don't hate taking him at all, recognizing that he's going to be a streaming tight end until he proves that he can be more reliable. Fair enough. And what is it? You said he was 24, right? I mean, he's busted almost every year of his career so far, but there also is still that, that, that competition for targets there, but I like him too. He's athletic. He stretches the field. There's all this talk about that. He's basically replacing who Hayden Hurst, right? But that he could do more things than Hayden Hurst could do, use him in different ways. I hope the guy stays healthy because I do like him, um, you know, for this year, especially late. I mean, these are guys you could get, Tom, basically for free. Tight end yeah. 18, yeah, the 14th no round. There's we no talk risk. about this all the time, right? I mean, you want to take some guys with upside. Hayden Hurst was playable last year. I don't have his numbers here, but he would you could you could have plugged him in. He would have been okay. Irv Smith is better if the guy stays healthy, huge if, like you just said, hopefully he does something to to mitigate and, and fix these injuries, but I think he's draftable as well at that late point. And who I think Tom is not draftable, who I think you just have, I think you just have an allegiance to Zach Ertz. I think you just love him because I you absolutely like, do. You, you, you had to put him on the show, Joe, Zach Ertz, get him in there. Tom, he's going off at tight end 25. Okay. ADP 196. That's the 17th round I wrote slash undrafted. Um, I don't have many comments on it because I'm not taking him. The answer is no, but I know you want to talk about him, Tom. Can we, can we expect him to play or is Joe, he, what, we, what's his deal? We are an injury show and he's coming off a major injury. So that's part of the reason. Fantasy I want to talk injury to team. That's he's not, correct. well, okay, maybe he's fantasy. <laughs> also people like me who have him on their dynasty league. So they, they are going to want to hear this as well. So Ertz suffered an ACL and MCL injury that he underwent surgery for both on November 18th. That puts him 42 weeks out from week one. And if you remember, if you want to go back and read my article or talk to or listen to one of our, our, our prior episodes, I, I discussed some of the major factors that can influence a player's availability for week one when coming off an ACL surgery. And there's four key ones. Ertz has all of them going against him, unfortunately. So one is age. He's 32. That is not in his favor at all. One is timing of injury. His was fairly late into the season, not helping him at all. 42 weeks is reasonable to return, but we would like more time. Factor number three is, was it just an ACL tear or is there multiple tissues involved? There's multiple tissues involved. That slows down the early phases of rehab, which therefore slows down all of rehab. And the final factor is, are they a freak athlete? And while Ertz may have been earlier in his career, he's not so much anymore. So he doesn't really have that going in his favor either. Um, so unlikely that he's going to be relevant early in the season. And our, our friend uh, Zach Hajduk from the 32 Beat Writers recently interviewed Tyler Drake, who's a beat writer for the Arizona Cardinals. And, and Tyler Drake seems to think that the Cardinals are going to take it slow with not only Ertz as he comes back, but also Kyler Murray. 
They, he, the, the vibe he's getting is that they're, they're going to take their time, make sure these guys are really ready before they're back on the field. So, Joe, I hear you. I'm not drafting Ertz in redraft <laughs> either. I will keep my eye on him as a streaming option in the second half of the season, though. Okay, you're not drafting him in redraft, but you will probably wear his jersey to bed tonight, and that is noted for our show. Thank you, Tom. But uh, I'm worried about that whole team now just because, I mean, I don't know. We could talk later, but James Conner they're going to have to rely on. But, their whole, I mean, I just think that they're not going to be great this year, and I think that's a problem for all their fantasy assets, generally speaking here. All right. Tom, let's move on before our awesome interview, which I'm excited to, to play here. In or out? So I'll let you go first. This is what we're going to do on every show, guys. We're going to give you one player that we are in on and out on for the position that we're talking about. Today, it's tight end. What do you got, Tom? Well, we already talked about my in. I really, really like the idea of punting the tight end position and then taking Dalton Schultz in round 10 or 11. He's been solid the past few seasons. He's only 27. He's, like I said, the rookie quarterback. They love tight ends. The team stinks. They're going to be throwing the ball a lot. And I just don't think I want to pick a tight end early this year. Fair enough. I have six pick, and I'm thinking Kelsey. And if it's not him, I might pick Zach Ertz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there <laughs> no. you go. I'm going to wait, too. All right. Now, Who's next? Out, I'm interested in your perspective on this. I am so out on TJ Hawkinson going at number 43 overall. He's a great player. He's a fine player. I like him. I don't like him there. That's too early for me. We know that Justin Jefferson's going to get his. Jordan Addison's going to get his. He's going to be good, but he's not going to return the value of an early fourth-round pick. He's being drafted at his absolute ceiling. <laughs> oh, if you're, this is hilarious, Tom. Last week, you didn't like... Anthony Richardson and my and for you guys at home, we don't talk before the show. We don't plan who our people are really. So I have to jump right in, Tom. The guy that I'm in on at tight end is T <laughs> is TJ Hawkinson. It's unbelievable. The guy, okay. Sell me. Sit back. I I'm I'm gonna educate you here, Tom. I'll tell you a couple of things. Guy's had a tremendous uh production, at least in his early career. Now, I think for me. There's two guys. I know I kind of alluded a little bit to, to Kyle Pitts, to whoever. I think there's only two guys that have a chance on this earth of competing with Kelsey. It's TJ Hawkinson, and it's Mark Andrews. Okay, now let's look at this. He played technically 10 games, 10 regular season games TJ Hawkinson did with the Vikings last year. Okay, we're going to take out the last game because the last game, Week 18, was a game that he played a couple snaps, was taken out, fake game, whatever. Let's take a look, Tom. Okay, sip your drink. Of the nine games that he played, okay, and that's a good sample size. This is not two games, three games. The nine games he played last year with the Vikings, okay, when he came from Detroit, and extrapolate that because that's what I like to do, okay? Here's his season numbers. 111 catches, 160 yards, uh, excuse me, 160 targets, 950 yards, six touchdowns, would have been 187 fantasy points per game, which would have put him at number two. That's 11 point something points per game. Kelsey last year, unbelievable year, 15 points per game. What if, Tom, that's only six touchdowns. What if his touchdowns shoot up a little bit? 
Okay. What if he goes up to eight, nine touchdowns? I love him this year. I know Justin Jefferson's going to get his. I like TJ Hawkinson, man, for where he's going. I like taking him. I don't like him where he's going. Fair enough. And of course, we always talk about in or out at their ADP. All right. And to conclude this, what we are out on or what I am out on is George Kittle. So I'll go through some numbers with you. That's what I do. First five seasons, he had two, five, five, two, six touchdowns. Fine. Last year, spike year, 11 touchdowns. That's an outlier. Touchdowns in fantasy. I know you don't want to hear this. Touchdowns in fantasy are random. You cannot rely on them. Okay. Every single metric of George Kittle's, every single one, I could list you 10 things. They all went down tremendously last year, and they have been the last couple of years. He was tight end nine in points per game for the first 14 weeks last year. And you're picking this guy at tight end four, low target share, 29 years old, obscene competition for targets. CMC, Debo, Ayuk. I'm out on George Kittle this year. Out on Kittle, in on Hawkinson. Tom is out on Hawkinson, in on Dalton Schultz. Yeah, I don't mind that take on Kittle. I I think that's going to be a situation where he's going to have his huge games, but he might have some not-so-huge games. I will say Brock Purdy did seem to really, really like him. But, um, you know, he's also someone who's dealt with his own share of injuries, and he's starting to get older. Um, I, I, I I like Kittle. I don't think I would take him before round six, though. But again, yeah. I, I think I'm really liking this punt on the tight end strategy for this season. You're slowly starting to convince me of that. Okay. That wraps up our tight end segment here. So now we are going to pass on to the best part of the show. It was an awesome, amazing interview. NFL player, defensive end for the Saints, Tano Passano. Hope you guys enjoy the interview. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are with Tano Passano. An NFL player, he is a defensive end for the Saints. Tano, by the way, congratulations. Just signed a little contract extension I saw uh, February, two years with the Saints. He was the second-round pick by the Chiefs 2017, a Super Bowl champion. We are extremely happy to have you on our show. Tano, thank you so much, man. Welcome to the Fantasy Injury Team. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Joe and Tom. I appreciate you guys. Tano, happy to have you. Um, You're going into, what, your eighth or ninth season now? Uh, actually seventh. Seventh. Okay. Awesome. Feels like that though. That's awesome, man. <laughs> Congrats on, on such a, a, a long career so far. Hopefully many more years. Um, here at the fantasy injury team, we obviously cover a lot of the injury side of things, which is something that we hope that we don't need to talk about you about. Um, but a lot of injury prevention, so to speak, occurs in the off season. So kind of give us a little, uh, a little outlook on what your off season program looks like. Um, starting, obviously everybody needs some time off, but, but also what's like a typical training program like for you? Uh, so training program wise, we, we get like a pretty basic training program from our team. Uh, or at least I can speak for the saints and the chiefs, but, um, I think that's because they know most guys go off and train at their own facilities or people, trainers they know and trust. So, um, and that is what a lot of guys do. So the program is really based on, um, let's call it a five to six week um, period um, after OTAs till 
pretty much now we're, we're ending uh, that five, six week period where you kind of ramp up throughout the week, come down, ramp up, or at least the smart trainers do that. Um, you don't want to be going hard all the time. So your body breaks down. Uh, there's a lot of um, different peaks that we uh, like to hit throughout the training program uh, this month long period, month and a little bit more. So I would say it consists of a lot of running, um, a lot of lifting, and a lot of uh, taking care of your body. So now we don't have the rigorous kind of schedule of uh, trying to get prepared for a game in three, four days and um, the meeting uh, meeting times we have uh, during the days, which are most of our days during this or most of the day during the season. Um, now it's kind of a time to really hone in on your body. If you had any bumps or bruises throughout the season, you get them looked at, checked and kind of rehab that uh, while also trying to build up strength and um, strength and endurance for camp because camp can be pretty grueling and you just want to be able to make it to the season, which is uh, which is a feat in itself. I hear that, man. I mean, every year it's like, the first couple of weeks of camp, it's nonstop notifications. This player got her, this player got her, and it, which is a shame. But um, as Joe and I talked about on a recent episode, you know, the medical research shows that the beginning of a season is when injury rates are the highest. And for a sport like football, you can train and you do train as hard as you can. But I imagine that it's kind of impossible to train for football fully without playing football. Yeah. Yeah, it uh, it really is because you don't have that contact, you don't have uh, all that bracing that comes with the contact where your body is prepared to get hit. Your body is preparing to get hit, seeing uh, how to kind of react uh, to that, really just hitting in general. Um, and I feel like in camp, you know, you build up a lot of um, bumps and bruises along the way. Uh, especially within camp. So you get to that first season game and I feel like a lot of guys just aren't really even at a hundred percent unless you're, you are one of like the big paid players that, you know, they really try to save for the actual season. Yeah. And, and, and these days I feel like every year there's a couple guys who just like are free agents and they're just like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to wait till the end of camp to sign probably for that reason. <laughs> yeah, you see a lot of the older guys. They know, man. The vets, they they know what to when to start. <laughs> you're kind of a vet now, and in your we said you what you're 29 before. You're getting up there, yeah. not to. Uh... <laughs> yeah, man, well, I like to call it experience. You know, that's it. That's it. <laughs> 29 years young now. Amazing. That's it. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> so you started to hit on this a little with. Um, kind of seeking several different providers to, to help take care of your body in the off season. What, who all is part of that team? We're talking strength and conditioning coaches, dietitians, PTs, chiropractors, et cetera. How many of those do you typically utilize or some of your teammates? Um, like, like who all is, is part of that team? Yeah. Um, I feel like everyone kind of has a different team around them. Uh, not just saying different people, but, different pieces um i know uh dang why am i forgetting his name who's that d tackle for the steelers that retired a couple years ago huge guy um 
dude, why am I forgetting his name? Either way, this guy, I think he had like 13, 12 years in the league. And um from what I heard, no. No, 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 no. He's an offensive lineman. Um, oh, sorry. Either way, <laughs> I'm just this guy saying his uh, strength coach, nutritionist, like all around person, um, like six figures a year, you know, just to follow him around, make sure he's eating right in the season and off season. And like this trainer wouldn't train anybody unless they stuck to his program because he knew his program worked. And um, it was kind of a two way street and trust thing uh, with them. And I've just heard different stories. Um, but yeah, the off season is a time really to invest in yourself. Um, something I've learned is like, you look at it as you can try to like save as much money as possible and kind of just do the bare minimum, but you don't end up with the best returns on that. Um, a lot of guys like you'll see in the NBA, like you hear about LeBron spending a millions of dollars on his body every year and guys like that. And it, it makes sense. Like you, you spend a million dollars, but then you get a hundred million dollar contract, you know? So right. Pull up turn on investment is crazy. However many years, like exactly, exactly. Just, just like an investment in in the stock market or in real estate, you you put the money down up front and you hope for for compounding gains later. Yeah, yeah, because our our bodies are really an asset right now to us and our biggest money making asset. So, um, what you invest in it makes sense. So, I'd say the typical thing is you want a strength and conditioning coach, uh, which a lot of people have. I use uh, the strength and conditioning coach at Villanova. Uh, he didn't particularly train me uh, uh, coming out of college. He's a newer coach they got, but um, he's awesome. His name's Mike Tuck, super dope trainer. Um, trying to plug him in a little, in a little bit because he, he actually does some really good stuff, has a lot of science behind what he does. And he was just like our strength coach that I had, um, Jake Cox, who is in Vietnam now and going to be somewhere else. This dude is like traveling the world. Him and his wife are living life. But um, a lot of the stuff that we do uh, use data behind it. So we weren't just lifting a lot of weight. We were um, lifting a, a good amount of weight, but fast. So being powerful and measuring power output and like seeing increases, decreases where you're deficient at and all of this stuff by kind of using technology while um, within our lifting program, which uh, is awesome. And I see the results from it. And you see a lot of strength coaches in the league and big uh, D1 teams really turning to that versus like, oh, we need to beat a guy to the ground like every day. And that makes you strong, you know. So and I can absolutely echo that in, in the rehab research. I mean, my job as, as a PT, when I have someone in front of me is, is to find their deficiencies and address that versus just give them a million exercises to do that'll beat the crap out of them. Like that, that's, it's all gotta be goal based mm -hmm. and, and like you, you make your plan from there. It sounds like what you guys are doing with your guys at Villanova is all well-researched, right? Like the, the right stuff. And clearly going into year seven, you've benefited tremendously from it. Yeah. So now let's move into the season. What take me inside the uh, the training room of an NFL team? Like, what does the training staff consist of? I'm sure there's a whole lot of people. Uh, how many of them are full time employees versus like 
like I know a lot of these, like the surgeons, you'll kind of go to where they do their surgery, obviously. Uh, what, what does that look like? Yeah, so um, every team has a head um, athletic trainer and then an assistant. And I would say it kind of varies through teams. At the Chiefs, I want to say we had uh, one or two, five full-time uh, uh, trainers and then maybe four four or three interns while at the saints i want to i think we got six full-time guys yeah six full-time guys and then uh especially in camp we'll get like interns and uh assistants just people there to help um so yeah they i'd say probably about four or five Nice. And I, I imagine during camp and, and during the heat of the season, the training room can get a, a, a little hectic at times. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, yeah, camp is a grueling time. So <laughs> you see a lot of guys in there. Um, and it's just something a lot of people know is important um, just to be able to stay out there. Just uh staying on top of things like even if things aren't hurt you go in and get treatment just to make sure they don't start hurting you know and uh the more time you actually are available to play the the higher chances are making the team getting paid you know all the positives whereas like um i guess in college or in high school it wasn't really a big thing to be in the training room you actually like in high school i remember really trying to avoid it in college i wasn't really trying to be in there it was more like oh you're hurt that's why you're in there um in the nfl it's more like oh you're taking care of yourself that's why you're in there yeah now you just you mentioned something that that just triggered another question in in my head do NFL players typically do any kind of movement screen before the season? So some examples would be like the FMS, the SFMA, and then there's various others. Are, are those things that you've heard of or, or done before? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, what, FMS is functional movement screening? or mm -hmm. um, Yeah, so we do, like, yeah, that's part of the um, physical, I want to say um and different teams kind of do it different ways i remember at the chiefs we had some type of system that actually used like a xbox 360 camera um which is interesting but um the one we got at the saints there's like eight different cameras set up around you in a box and you do a couple different movements and it tracks your body and Love how, you, how you move you know so yeah. So what I, what I imagine they're looking for there is, is say you do a squat, they're looking at how much is your ankle moving? How much is your knee moving your hip, your torso, et cetera. That's one of that in particular, a squat is one of the things I do with like every single evaluation. Cause it shows so much information about <laughs> how, how a person is moving or, or how they aren't moving properly. And that's just one functional movement. There's tons that you could do. But that's 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 exactly what I was was wondering if you guys do something like that. So that's awesome that that they're being proactive. And then I'm sure if they see a deficiency, then you can go and, and address it, even if you're not in pain. But maybe your ankle is not moving properly. You can take care of that before it becomes an issue. Yeah, for sure. All right. So moving on to the season here. Um, so 
Tano defense. I'm looking up. I, I, I like the the look right now of the depth chart and of everything I'm seeing for the Saints defense. I know the Saints spent top two picks, defensive tackle Brian Breesey, uh defensive end Isaiah Foskey. You guys have like a nice mix of some veterans there. You got some youngsters there, Marshawn Lattimore, Marcus May, Tyron Matthew, um, Cam Jordan, Pete Warner. Like what's then the list goes on. Nathan Shepard, Demario Davis. You guys are deep, man. Like I'm, I'm looking at your defense. Like, going to be solid this year. What do you think, man? How do you feel about about the squad, the defense this year? Yeah, dude. I, I mean, I'm excited. I was excited just when I got there. How um, that culture and that defense um, played. You know, I saw them play against us. I forgot what year it was, and I knew a couple guys on the team then. And I just saw that energy. And when I got on the team, it was just like exactly what I was hoping for and and more. And um, like you said, we just added uh, some great pieces to our defense and um, historically, you know, been ranked really high. And that's something I like to uh, be a part of, you know, Um, being part of an operating defense like it sucks when you you're on a good team you're winning a lot but then you look at the rankings or stats and like the part of the team that's that's slacking is your part you know <laughs> so right <laughs> um, it's it's something to definitely take pride in and everyone on that defense takes pride in and you know i'm really excited for what we're gonna do um i know we can do a lot better than we did last year even though we did do well um and just having a solid quarterback like Derek Carr now on the team and uh, some of the pieces we should have be coming back on offense and pieces we acquired. It's just like, um, I'm super excited for what we got this year. Yeah. Well said. There's a lot of buzz around that defense and around the team too. I mean, listen, you yeah. guys got some youngsters, of course, Chris Olave there, but you mentioned Derek Carr. What's the buzz like bringing in like a new quarterback? I know you're newer to the team, but yeah. What's it like bringing in Derek Carr? Is that is it a whole new new thing, new feeling? Anything? What what changed? Um, it definitely is. Like I wasn't there. I got there right after Drew Brees left, so I I wasn't there in that era. But um, I definitely feel a lot more energy, at least from our offense, um, and just uh, good. You know, just a good feeling, good vibe around the team. And Derek Carr has been in there. Like he he's one of those guys who's there early leaves late and is already doing extra stuff with the guys and played against Derek Carr a couple of times. Like I know he's a great quarterback and um, he's been in the league for a while, but just even being there OTAs and practicing with him a little bit, you, you really see that the young energy he has. So it's, sure. it's good to see. It, it really, he's a guy that it really feels like we haven't even seen his potential yet for one reason or another with the Raiders like you could see that he was an incredible quarterback but like something that something just didn't totally click to really unleash his top potential in my opinion so I'm really excited to see what he can do with guys like Olave Michael Thomas Kamara and everybody else that you guys have on your offense this year for sure man for sure I think the division's up for grabs, man. I mean, I, I like the Saints' chances a lot. You guys, the Bucks, Panthers, Falcons. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling it for you guys. Let me ask you two more things. So, who do you think? Just wide open question for you. Um, who do you think someone on the Saints can't say yourself? I, I would pick you. <laughs> someone who's going to really surprise you, surprise us this year. Could be on offense, defense, something you've seen. Who's someone that you think is just going to have a, a big year, maybe unexpected? What do you think, Tano? 
Um, unexpected. It's like I feel or like expected, a, whatever. <laughs> I feel like I mean, I feel like we got a lot of guys that are expected to do well, you know? Um, like uh Breesy, like you you mentioned, our our top draft pick and um we got a, another draft pick we had last year, um, the offensive tackle uh we picked up. That dude's a mauler and just like he got little ankle injury, but like he looks like he's back 100%. So um, guys like him, um, one dude who's kind of flown under the radar a little bit is um, Rashid Shahid. Like he had a couple big plays last year. He's a, um, I, I think he might've been drafted or undrafted wide receiver. We had rookie last year, yep. but his speed is unbelievable. Like, I've seen Tyreek run around the field in practice and this guy's up there with him, you know, like speed wise. So um, his potential is definitely there for big play type of big play type of uh, action. And our team really started to use him a lot last year, which I think boosted his confidence and him matched with Olave matched with uh, Mike T matched with, uh, Dang, like our receiver room's kind of stacked. It's just like, <laughs> um, yeah, dude. He's still on there also, always doing something else. Yeah, dude. Um, it's, it's you got to like, go up against these guys in practice, too. <laughs> exactly. So it just makes us better, you know? Um, of course, yeah. So, yeah, dude, I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited for, I, I, I just named a lot of people, but. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm over here as a Giants fan, of course, from Jersey. I'm getting excited for the Saints season. So that's, <laughs> it's good stuff. One, one more just silly question for you. Who is, who's the funniest guy on the Saints? Who's someone that you just can't like, I don't know, just cracks you up. Someone who's hilarious. The funniest guy, man. Um, Cam Jordan is up there. This guy is 30-something. I don't even know how old he is. This might be like his 14th year in the league. But when I tell you he is one of the boys, like acts like it's year five for him and just like one of the funniest, just most down-to-earth like vets I've seen, which is great for our locker room. Um, sure. <laughs> I, think, I think Cam has it um, either – him or um, what about Jameis? Jameis has to be funny. Oh, dude, yeah, I was about to say. I knew I was forgetting, bro. I mean, he's just—it's him. So yeah, I mean, naturally, he—he, he, him being him is funny. You know, like Cam definitely tries to be funny, and he's funny. But Jameis, just like being himself, dude. Like all he has to do is be himself, and you fall in love with the dude. Um, he's just such and a genuine that's dude. That's exactly how it's yeah. portrayed to us fans. Like, I would love to spend time with Jameis and just laugh my head off. Yeah, man. But like, you laugh, but you also like have to like really listen to what he's saying. And there's always a great message in there, or like something super deep that like can go over people's head, and you're just like, oh my god, wait, what? <laughs> um. But That's yeah, great. all right. My bad. You guys definitely reminded me of that, Jameis. No, it's fine. All right, I lied. Last one, I absolutely promise. Just from your career, who is give us one guy? It's hard to always give one guy. Who's like one of the toughest guys? It could be an, an offensive, you know, you're an end, it could be a tackle, it could be whatever. Toughest guy you played. Like just it's probably really hard to name one, but what's like one of the toughest matchups to prepare for for if you can name one or two guys? One or two. Um, one of them was definitely 
Schwartz, um, he was an offensive tackle for the Chiefs. Uh, Mitch Schwartz. He um, he was just like one of these old vets that was just so skilled, so patient with his hands. Like you'd want to bull him. Um, like in my position, like you you just you just hope an offensive lineman throws their hands out because once they do that, you can do whatever you want with them. You know, swipe them away. Like um cross chop them you can pretty much have your way with them once their their hands are out but once they keep their hands in their body like mitch did um it would force you to kind of go into him and that's all the tackles want is for you to get as close as possible to them and for them to be able to grab you it's it's holding without holding like there's holding that's legal you know um and he was uh, an expert at that and um, yeah, I'd have to say he was one of the toughest guys to go against. Um, and then, uh, I'd say Dion Dawkins from the bills. Uh, he's like a really good tackle undersized, they say, but he's still a huge, huge guy. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, he went to temple and he came out my year, but he is one of those tackles whose feet will never fail him, you know? Um, like, you would think you have him beat, and then out of nowhere, he's he, his hips are placed right in front of you, and you're just like, dude, like, all right, I can't beat him with speed. Let me try and beat him with power. But he has a good base under him, like definitely has good leverage just because he actually is a shorter tackle. So, um, yeah, man, he uh, he's a hard guy to try and uh, uh, beat for sure. All right. You killed it, man. I We – absolutely appreciate you so much man thank you so thank you tremendously for being on our show and and for me and from us i know tom will probably say something but wish you so much luck this year man good luck with the saints good luck with you know you guys you guys look like you have a phenomenal amazing uh year coming up so best of luck to you man and we can't thank you enough for joining us yeah yeah no problem man i appreciate you guys having me on and you know just having this cool conversation um <laughs> We learned a lot from it. I don't know how much you really learned, but we <laughs> we definitely learned a lot. <laughs> Yo, I learned you have probably one of the best like podcast voices, man. Like I told you were him that. I told oh, him. me, I did. Oh, yes. great! Thank you so much. Yes. Okay, lovely. Todd, <laughs> I was telling Joe. All right. <laughs> I was telling Joe for three years that we need to start a podcast before <laughs> just because of his voice. <laughs> yes, he's boy. He, I don't know if he told you. He's a high school teacher, so he public speaks all day long. Oh, he's yeah, dude. Like this. I'm on a break it. in the summer, but this is now no longer a break because I'm doing the podcast. And this has been the best podcast we've had so far. But All right, Tano. Good luck. We appreciate it. Yeah, man. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll see you. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview as much as we did. Great insight from an NFL player. Hopefully in the future, Tom, we get some more guys on. But... Tano, well-spoken, smart guy, good to uh, – and you played what? You played high school football with him, right? Yeah, I played some ball with him, ran some track with him back in the day. He was a little bit larger than you, Tom? Here's the funny thing. I'm two years older than him, so I was a senior when he was a sophomore. He was – he had to be at least six seven when he was a sophomore, maybe 180 pounds. Like, this man was thin, and he, oh, my goodness, as he filled out. And now we're talking the website. I mean, he said before he was at 300 at some point, but now he's 290, whatever he is. So I think he could take you now, Tom. <laughs> yeah, I think you might be right there.
I All saw right. him at the gym a few months ago, and oh my god, he's enormous. Yeah, yeah, nice guy though. Really, 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 really good talking to him. It was, it yeah, was he's, an absolute he's great. pleasure. He's great. Yeah. All right, so that does it for our show. A little hybrid show today. Talk tight ends, and then an awesome interview with uh, Big T. Uh, and thank you guys so much for joining us. We encourage you guys, listen, interact with us, talk to us. All social media platforms are out there. We'll answer questions. We'll interact with you guys. But that does it for today. And we are the Fantasy Injury Team. See you guys next time. Thank you.